Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Infinite Cast, a podcast. Uh, I know that we said that we weren't going to stop, but then we did stop immediately. You know what? Sometimes life gets in the whim. Yeah. And we had reached a natural ending point of, you know, our whole project. Season one. Season one. (laughs) Three and a half year season one of this uh, podcast. But consider this, uh, you know, episode zero or the in-between season special uh, of Infinite Cast as we do our very last promised bit of business around uh, Infinite Jest, the novel. Yes. uh, And prep to figure out what we are doing next. We have narrowed it down to four possibilities. And I'm going to put up a Twitter poll with this episode and abide by the results. Chris is at say what again. At say what again, yes. On Twitter. On Twitter. Um, And it'll be up for 24 hours after I start this episode. And we have narrowed down the choices of what to do next to Inherent Vice. By Thomas Pynchon. Pynchon. White Noise. By Donald DeLillo. By Donald DeLillo. Less Than Zero. By Brat Easton Ellis. But the Brat Pack himself, yeah. Brat Easton Ellis. Brat Pack. And Fight Club. By Chuck Palahniuk. Palahniuk. Now, the theme <laughs> of all of these is, of course, uh, uh, big dick swinging male authors. Uh, you know, De- dealing with generally end end of twentieth century, century paranoia. Inherent vices was that a two thousand six movie? No book. Not every book. It was oh, book? it was a book. <laughs> was that? I think it was. I want to say it was late. Let me look. I don't know. Inherent vice. Um, it's a more recent yes. uh pension, of course. Oh, twenty fourteen. Wait, nope. That's that's movie. the movie. Based on the book, no, 2009. 2009. I, I didn't realize that Inherent Vice came out that late. Late. Yeah. It's a later pension. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, men, big, big bloviating dudes writing about big end of, end of history topics. Novels. I mean, yeah. some of these are, obviously some of these are shorter. I think it's going to range from, uh, I think Fight, Fight Club is like 220 pages in the paperback. So imagine that is like, what, 20, 22 weeks. Yeah. Like a half a year mm-hmm. versus I bet uh, Inherent Vice is probably like 500 pages or something. Inherent Vice is a fairly slim pension. Oh, it is? Yeah, but it's dense. It's dense. There's a lot of plot, which, hey, if you're here thus far, you're Look, not a, you're not afraid of a little plot. OK, yes. I don't know that I don't know the page counts of these books. Yeah. Off the top of our head. None of them will be as long as uh, Infinite Jest. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're trying to narrow down what the actual theme of the show is. And I think it is uh, the the, diffi- the di- difficult male writers. Difficult male writers. And uh, it difficult can either mean the text or the men. Or the men. Or, or, <laughs> or a combination realistically of both. both. But I think everything in here has, you know, uh, continues on the themes of existential alienation, uh, you know, uh, uh, paranoia, the American and the hollowing out of product, reality project. at the end of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, yes. Guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. Guys I- being violent. Irony in big, big square quotes and the idea of irony in quotes and big quotes. Yeah. Uh, how uh, drugs are fun until they're not. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'll put that, that poll up. Once I put this episode up, go vote for it at say what again, this is what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. Uh, once again, white noise, inherent vice, less than zero fight club. I just want to bring up before we get into the Aaron Swartz, uh, explanation is that, uh, this weekend we discovered an incredible, uh, uh, act of, uh, COVID COVID, uh, stick to it podcasting. Uh, which is that I was, I just randomly said, I'm like, 
I don't know why we were even we talking. We're scrolling oh, we, through <laughs> streaming video options. There is Samsung TV has some really weird free movies uh, that show up when you turn the TV on these days. Yes. And I was like, oh, you know, what would be funny is like Tubi has some weird stuff on it. Uh, like if you started like a Tubi podcast and called it like to, to be or not to be. To be or not to be. Folks, that podcast already exists. It started. I w- And then, of course, I was like, ah, yeah, well, anyone can start a podcast. But uh, it, it, let, let's see your follow through. They've done, I think, 87 episodes. They started March 25th, 2020. So that is a a hardcore COVID project. Yes. And they are still going. It looks like bi-weekly. So I just want want to shout out to be or not to be. Uh, We have not listened to an episode, but I think we both will. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of uh, someone besides us, uh, you know, coming up with a, a stupid an idea and sticking COVID to it. podcast project and, yeah. and following through all the way. Yeah. Not that it's stupid, but you know, everything we were really grasping at. I don't uh, think you would start a, pro- a podcast called to be or not to be <laughs> and not fully admit that it is stupid. That's but true. That's as I always say, it's not about the concept. It's not about uh, the, the subject. Podcasting is about having fun with your friends. It's true. And if the to be or not to be guys are having fun with each other uh, doing the show, then it's a good podcast. That's true. Uh, All right. Anyway, should we get into our singular critical appraisal of Infinite Jest written by the late uh, Aaron Swartz? Swartz. Yes, let's do it. Uh, Also, you know, we've talked about this at length. I'm not a big fan of solving fiction. Uh, Fiction is not a a puzzle to be uh, unpuzzled. That being said, I do think this is compelling in, in that I feel like it's the closest I've seen to someone getting a unified theory of the narrative right, as yes. right as you could possibly yes. get it. So if your interpretation is different, that's okay. Uh, if if you think that uh, you know it's it's not worth it to do this, that's fine too. But I think I think it's worth getting back into the the extensive, confusing, you know, whip sawing plot stuff again. Sure. Now that we've finished uh, yeah, this over is, a thousand this pages. Is, yeah, this is like the 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 high level overview yeah. of how the plot all inter- interconnects. All right. All right. So this is just a blog post uh, and it, the title is What Happens at the End of Infinite Jest or the Infinite Jest Ending Explained. Great SEO, Aaron. <laughs> Slay. Uh, okay. Uh, now just imagine this is a YouTube video with him ma- making the goo goo gaga face in the thumbnail. Oh. Uh, so it starts with a quote from um, an interview where the interviewer says, is there no ending to infinite book because there couldn't be? Or did you just get tired of writing it? <laughs> DFW says there is an ending as far as I'm concerned. Certain kind of parallel lines are supposed to start converging in such a way that an end in quotes can be projected by the reader somewhere beyond the right frame. If no such convergence or projection occurred to you, then the books failed for you. That's a, from a May 17th, 1996 interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, this says warning: this whole thing is one gigantic spoiler. Only read if you've tried already tried to figure it out for yourself. If you've already here, if you are already here, congratulations! You don't have to worry about that. Uh, what year did he he write this? By the way, this would be um, I I don't. When did he die? Like uh, Twenty thirteen or, or something 14, like so. that. Yeah. Not well, a bit I, like two thousand nine or something. Yeah, I don't see a date on the. Okay. Oh wait, September sixteenth, two thousand nine. Yes. Great. Uh, all right. Gately, okay, we just get right into it. Gately, having relived his bottom, begins to recover from his infection. But at the same time, Hal's condition deepens. Ever since uh, Hal ate the mold as a child, he's been a brilliant communicator, but unable to feel, uh, referencing page 694. Hal himself hasn't had a bona fide intensity of interior life type emotion since he was tiny. In fact, he's more robotic than John Wayne. Mm -hmm. JOI was the only one who could see it, 
In life, everyone thought JOI was just being crazy, but in death, as a wraith, he can actually read Hal's thoughts and thus confirm his view. Mm -hmm. In life, he created the entertainment to draw Hal out. Hal moves outwardly but doesn't feel inside. Victims of the entertainment feel something inside but don't move outwardly. Mm -hmm. After all, as he tells Gately, he was willing to resort to desperate measures. Uh, this is a quote. No, no, any conversation or interchange in brackets between father and son is better than none at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a conversation between Wraith, Wraith and Gately. JOI's Wraith is responsible for the strange disturbances around ETA, tripods in the forest, moving Ortho's bed, ceiling tiles on the floor. He knocks the ceiling tiles down in an attempt to find the DMZ, which uh, yes. Pamulus hid in the, in the ceiling. Pamulus is too distracted with getting expelled to have Hal take it, so JOI needs to get it to Hal some other way. JOI also created DMZ as part of an attempt to undo the effects of Hal's eating mold as a child. Recall, DMZ is a mold that grows on a mold. He left it along with the entertainment. Recall, ETA kids find JOI's personal effects. Remember mm -hmm. the, the cave club or the yes. cavern club or whatever it is? Uh, from page 670, a bulky old doorless microwave, a load of old TP cartridges, mostly unlabeled. The tapes and the DMZ are delivered together to the FLQ. Uh, the uh, the entertainment is about this goal. It stars a woman named Madame Psychosis, which is a street name for DMZ, explaining that the thing that killed you in your last life will give birth to you in the next. The DMZ and the entertainment were meant to go together for Hal. Now that the entertainment has escaped, he needs to get Hal the DMZ. Hal never leaves his toothbrush unattended. That's referencing page 870. But that's no problem for a wraith. He places the DMZ on Hal's brush and Hal brushes his teeth, page 860, mm -hmm. and immediately begins experiencing symptoms. Ortho thinks Hal is crying when Hal thinks he's speaking in a neutral tone, mm -hmm. page 862. Hal's symptoms indeed begin to reverse. He is now unable to properly communicate feelings. People see him as either laughing hysterically or terribly sad, but beginning to actually feel. Mm -hmm. Like Gately, he spends a lot of the time lying on the floor thinking about the past, the hero of non-action from his essay, which remember his, was that Hawaii Five-0? Yes. Uh, while before everyone could hear him except JOI, now only JOI can hear him since, as with Gately, he can hear G Hal's thoughts. By the time of the match, his symptoms are so bad he's taken by ambulance to the hospital. That's referenced on page 16. The only other emergency room I have ever been in was almost uh, exactly one year back. Mm -hmm. uh, safely escaping the AFR's assault. So the AFR is closing. This is kind of explained off page. The AFR is closing in on Yes, because ETA. they have... They have they have the, hijacked the bus and replaced all the children with AFR me they, members. They uh, chucked a bunch of Quad, uh youth tennis players out in a blizzard yes. and commandeered the bus and are driving to Boston. Yes. Uh, uh, like fellow student Otis P. Lord, he gets the bed next to Gately. So that's mm -hmm. how Hal and Gately meet. Joelle, who is at the hospital for a meeting, visits Gately on her way out and recognizes Hal. Mm -hmm. She tells them both about the hunt for the lethal entertainment, which she knows about because she She's got been stopped. interrogated. She's been interrogated. Yes. Uh, and the resulting continental emergency, and they all go up to dig up JOI's grave. They persuade John Wayne, a spy for the AFR, mm -hmm. which is something that we had talked about a little bit before, to become a double agent and help them sneak into JOI's Quebec burial site. Wayne presumably tells the AFR he's actually a triple agent, that he will steal the tape as soon as Hal digs it up. But as with Morath, his loyalties are ultimately even numbered, and which is a mm -hmm. note 40. The AFR finds out and brutally murders him, which is why he can't win the Whataburger. Uh, at the beginning, the first chapter, he says, he says Wayne would have totally won the Whataburger. Whataburger. Why wasn't he there? Mm -hmm. He's dead. 
uh, as Gately foresees, this is the quote we, I think, talked about just a few episodes ago. He's with a very sad kid and they're in a graveyard digging some dead guy's head up and it's really important, like continental emergency important. And Gately's the best digger, but he's wicked hungry, like irresistibly hungry. And he's eating with both hands out of huge economy-sized bags of corporate snacks so he can't really dig <laughs> while it gets later and later and the sad kid is trying to scream at Gately that the important thing was buried in the guy's head and to divert the continental emergency to start digging the guy's head up before it's too late. But the kid moves his mouth, but nothing comes out. And Joel Van D appears while the sad kid holds something terrible up by the hair and makes the face of someone shouting in panic too late. <laughs> it's too late because someone got there first and took the anti-entertainment cartridge embedded in JOI's head. Whoever took it is presumably the person who has made and mailed the extant copies. It couldn't be AFR or OUS or they still wouldn't be searching for it. Mm -hmm. It probably wasn't the FLQ because they didn't know how to read master cartridges. They thought they were blank tapes in their... Uh, in. They thought there were blank tapes in the in their display. I think this is written wrong. Uh, all you need to know is that they think that master tapes are blank. It couldn't be Avril acting alone. She has problems, but she's not that kind of cold-blooded killer. It had to have been Oren. Okay. Oren, who never attended his father's funeral, went to the gravesite and dug up his father, releasing the wraith in the process. Uh, referencing page 244, after a burial... Rural Papineau region, Quebecers purportedly drill a small hole down from the ground level all the way down through the lid of the coffin to let out the soul if it wants out. Orin, who is such a partisan of his father that he feels the need to repeatedly ruin the lives of people like his mother, has been mailing the tapes to his father's enemies in revenge, disapproving film critics in Berkeley and the medical attaché whose affair with his mother drove himself especially wild in Boston. It's possible he's being influenced by the wraith in these actions. After the AFR releases roaches into his giant glass tumbler, mm -hmm. uh, Oren cuts a deal with the AFR and gives them the tape in return for letting him live. He's apparently still alive on page 14. Uh, the AFR uses the tape to set off some sort of intracontinental conflagration. The, page 16, some sort of ultra mock fighter too high overhead to hear slices the sky from south to north, which apparently topples the gentle administration, uh, which is uh, YG is the very last year of subsidized mm -hmm. time. As seen in chapter one, Hal's condition deepens until he literally can't communicate at all, but no longer feels like a robot anymore. Uh, referencing page 12, I'm not a machine. I feel and believe. The only thing he has left is tennis, and he looks forward to playing Ortho Stice in the final match of the Whataburger, but Stice is possessed by his father. Uh, in the manuscript, Stice is called the Wraithster, so the novel ends as Hal finally gets to really interface with his father in the only way he has left. Playing tennis. Playing tennis. Fighting your dad. <laughs> fighting your dad yeah uh i find it compelling yeah it, it makes a few in a, a few leaps of pure inference but otherwise seems to wrap up a lot of things but again my main question is how important is actually plot in this as opposed to what is described in characterization and and you know like vibe yeah. basically i disagree uh with David, that's a very authorial thing for him to say that if you didn't get this incredibly complicated plot, which again, which I have does not, not ha it was not written which and none of this happens. <laughs> yes. And I have not given you many of the details you would need. Then to the book has failed. Okay, buddy. A book, a book is not a, a nuclear reactor. It's the, a fucking book. The, the book, the book cannot fail. It can only be failed. You get, you get what you give. The one thing, the one bone I have to pick at, with this mm -hmm. is that Hal 
holds up something unspeakable, J.O.I.'s decomposed yeah. head, probably his skull, really yes. more like, alas, poor Yorick. And he makes a face that says, too late. But Hal isn't communicating the way that yes. you're supposed to at this time. Maybe his too late face, I'm stealing this from someone else I saw on Reddit or something. Mm. Maybe his too late face is actually him saying, we got it. <laughs> because it, the rest of it is rather yada yada, right? Yes. It's like something happens, blah, blah, blah. No more subsidized time. I'm just guessing yeah, we, that yeah. uh, say he found the master, right? Yes. FLQ gets shut down. I assume it goes to the Office of Unspecified Services. Uh, and there's, I would assume there's some sort of internal coup where Gentle is no longer uh, the president. And, uh, you know, it, it, the Onan dissolves back yes. into, uh, you it's know, constituent parts. It's constituent parts. Because, uh, yeah, the, the mock fighter going. South to north. South to north. Just to me, it just says that there, I don't know, something, not that something is going wrong, but that something is, is just different than it used yes. to be. But I mean, that's the entire nature of the quote unquote, like sci-fi or speculative fiction of this is, is, I mean, other than um, Mario's long diorama about the, the gentle administration, everything is just kind of hinted at mm -hmm. that the vibes are off. Yes. Uh, rather than specific details given. I mean, I don't know. It, it it is fun to pull these threads together and pick out these wildly disparate details to cry, try to create a full picture. But this is also, I don't know. I, I, you know, it makes me think of one of my favorite uh, movies, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's the master, Ugh. which I immediately, I felt like from the moment I saw it, people were like, I don't know. It just feels like it wasn't all there. And I was like, I think that's, what's kind of brilliant about it is that like, uh, Anderson gives you like a jigsaw, a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, but only gives you like 800 of the pieces, mm -hmm. you know? And so you don't get the full picture of what's going on, but you have to fill in and thus the movie becomes yours in a way because yeah. each person can take away a different view of what the total is. Yeah. And I think that that's probably what the genius of, of something like this is, is that you don't, like a, a true piece of genius doesn't need to give you everything because it can give you enough to make your own your own final art from yes it, yeah. you know yeah um and to me that is better than being given all the clues mr <laughs> mr, mr. Policeman. policeman yes yeah no i agree i agree yeah um and so like even if even if i really like this analysis and i think that what he does here helps elucidate not just the plot but some of the thematic elements of mm -hmm. it you know, I think that it is but one way of gazing, one facet of the gem to look in on. And somebody else could give you another facet that would give you a slightly different view. And one is not correct and one is not incorrect. You're just getting different views of the whole piece. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. We have solved it. We, yeah. <laughs> that all interpretations are correct <laughs> is the thing, right? Yeah. I it I mean yeah I will always um, unless someone literally says something happened that it didn't I yeah. uh, that that's art especially books where it's it's basically just words and then whatever pictures you yeah. draw in your mind palace that so. everybody's image of the um everybody's image of the the uh final piece is different or the characters that they play yeah what 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 the guys look like yeah yeah yeah. Uh. 
Oh God. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's funny that, yeah. Cause there's still people who are like, uh, just seeing again, Reddit, Reddit discussions of like, I think Don dies. I'm like, he doesn't. <laughs> he's he at least not to the extent that he's I not mean, digging. He he's does. in Quebec digging up uh, yeah. at the a very head. beginning. Yeah, yeah. But yes, he will. He will die at some point. But yeah, the to be the. I mean, did, just thinking. Did did David Foster Wallace just have like a really profound experience watching TV on acid? I think so. Because, uh, that feels like it. Because I have to say, you know, not not to. Uh, but it's also funny because. All, it's it's funny because all of his TV references are like Hawaii Five O. So was he just like watching Gilligan's Island on like a heroic dose of weed also, and, be, and being like, this is the most important thing humanity has ever produced. I just, just thinking about you know if you had done this in say the early nineties, you would be watching it on a tube television that was like eighteen inches. Like what what are you what is even happening? You but know, you you know what? Having engaged with uh, Quentin Tarantino's literary output more recently. I feel like David Foster Wallace and Tarantino could have had a I've talked about has David has DFW written about Tarantino. I feel like what they would actually get on the same page of is their fascination with what many people would consider like the junk era of TV, like the 70s and the 60s and 70s and 80s, like before TV got really like artistic. Yeah. When it was just a de- incredibly degraded, like a uh, C yeah. list version of a, a movie. Like, yeah, we, we, like mo- we have movies at home. Yeah, where it's movies like at home smoke like, and yeah. stuff and FBI or, or whatever Yeah, that Columbo. Tarantino, like from his Hollywood once upon a time in Hollywood and the novelization and, and everything that he's been talking about on his podcast, which is good. And I highly recommend uh, is, is like very much focused on like, how much he loves episodic TV from the sixties and seventies, which yeah. I feel like DFW would also be be very into. Yeah, I said I said Columbo is was Columbo actually thought of as a like a bigger deal, like a uh, more uh, artistically realized version of TV because it was kind of like very special episodes, or did it was it thought of as? I trash? mean, I think it was it initially was just filling the role of kind of like made for TV movie. Cause the episodes were yeah. like 70 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think as time goes on, people in the know were like, Oh, these are actually very clever and well-made. Yeah. I think that's the, the cultural <laughs> representation. Uh, well, I'm sure there's a podcast about Columbo. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Uh, it's called just one more thing, which is what Columbo says when he uh, turns around and, and uh, oh. at the end of every episode. And, uh, and, and that's when you know you're, you're well and truly screwed if you are the, uh, the, the perp. Yeah. <laughs> that's when your, your knees start, yeah. start knocking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else is there to say? Oh, uh, uh, extra reading is uh, Patricia, Patricia Lockwood wrote a really great essay about uh, David Foster Wallace about Pale King and Infinite Jest and his whole thing uh, in I think the London Review of Books that was amazing and it is the the necessary um, and did we talk about the cruise ship uh, did we talk about Lauren Euler I don't think we talked about it. we definitely we, we did a Chapo episode uh, about this yeah uh, Lauren Euler wrote wrote a uh, a piece about the Goop cruise that is in conversation with a supposedly fun thing I'll never do yeah. again or, uh uh, all of this is to say that despite the problematicness of the man uh, and, you know, the longer we go, the more his reputation as a person seems to uh, diminish, be diminished, be, go further and further into the bin. Uh, people still are talking about his shit. Yes. He did the thing. The legacy is there. Yeah. Bad, bad man. Good book. Bad man. Good book. That, <laughs> wait, is that the name? Is that the name of the podcast? Maybe. Uh, That's a little too. Yes. Queen for me. Yeah. Uh, 
but hey, if if there's anything that I'm addicted to, it's not uh, following a commercially viable thing that can sell a lot of t-shirts. Uh, we're yeah. just doing it for the love of the pod, baby. Yeah, well, for the love of the pod. We'll do. We'll make. Ba- we'll make ringer baby tees that say "bad bad, bad man, man good, good book." book. <laughs> baby tees. <laughs> you know. Yes. You know the baby tee. It's like uh, a t-shirt, but it's for a baby. But it, yeah. it's for a full-grown woman. Uh, so maybe we should make poor York Entertainment production logos. Uh, not a bad idea. Uh, can I read that very good tweet that somebody did? Yeah. Uh, if you, dear listeners, uh, have been online uh, recently, you've probably seen the NPC streamers, uh, mm-hmm. the yum yum ice cream so good, uh, gang gang uh, lady who uh, just reacts to stuff on TikTok and makes money off of it. Anyway, Molly was posting about it, and somebody responded to Molly with this tweet. This is um uh at Discon Hyatt, Hyatt, uh, Dickon Hyatt, whatever. Um, this is a response to Molly. Quote: Ice cream so good. Year of the Tux medicated pad. Poor York Entertainment. Madame Psychosis. One minute twenty seconds. TP interlace camera. A woman reacts robotically and repetitively to images of various food and symbols that appear on screen. Interlace Telnet pulse deset. <laughs> great tweet. Really great tweet. And, you know, we've been we've been talking, I mean, uh, as I've said now a zillion times, the the rise of TikTok is one of the primary entertainment sources uh, for ever, uh, phone owners nationwide yes. uh, over the course of this podcast thus far, uh, cul- culminating in this woman who I think she's 26 and says she's 19 and she just sits in her her house all day, uh, you know, w- wearing like a blonde wig w- with her boobs pushed up. Uh, just saying, like, gang, 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 gang. Yes. Ice cream so good. Cowgirl, and cowgirl. It's, and it is weirdly compelling, repetitive. Dare I say, lulls you into a state of, you know, yes. hypnosis. Somebody else also pointed out that she is Quebecois. She's <laughs> Quebecois. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> How deep does this go? Ah! Uh, if you want another thing where the internet has created essentially de- uh, the entertainment, um, I am somewhat ashamed to say that I am a uh, a fan of ASMR on YouTube. I find it very relaxing for naps and you know when I need to to sleep in a in a loud pl- uh, place. Yeah. Um, some of these videos basically directly match the description of what the entertainment is. Yeah. I would recommend. Oh yeah. A because she has a quality channel and the ASMR is good, and B if you're just interested in the culture producing this exact thing. Uh, the ASM artist Skeptical Pickle. If you scroll through some of your her videos, you'll be like, "Holy shit! This woman has inadvertently created the entertainment." Yes, uh, it's pretty wild. It's uh, you know, as we close out on Infinite Just the Book, just a just a reminder that culture, pop culture, and technology today are designed to lull you into a state of uh, hypnotized consumerism, complacency and consumerism. They want you lying on your couch, scrolling and buying things that show up in the ads between the content that you love so much. That's all fine. Whatever. I I don't think I can single talk about Fight Club. No one's blowing up Instagram headquarters uh, with a a BOMB in the uh, (laughs) uh, garage uh, underneath the building. Yes. That being said, the cure is always to go outside, to hang out with your friends, to go dancing, to listen to music, uh, to drive around listening to Steely Dan, uh, to talk to people, to engage in real life. 
because no matter how much society wants you to be a brain in a jar uh, tapping things, we all have bodies and we need to go out and touch each other. We need to do bodies in spaces. We need to, we need to do bodies in spaces. I think the one last thing that we always promise for this episode is our full official cast list for the movie, but I don't think we prepared that. We have not prepared that. Um, that's that's ongoing, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, you, hey, there's uh, a new Luca Guadagnino uh, movie tennis coming movie. out. That's well, not anymore. Movie. What do you mean not anymore? They pushed it back because ah, of the damn. strike. Yeah, I guess we should we shouldn't be talking about uh, actors at all. In <laughs> <Get> you right. <laughs> Pretend <laughs> actors don't exist. Yeah, right. For, for no. now, no, that's not what they want. That's you, not what they, they want. They want you to they appreciate. They want, they want they want you to talk about how much you love our beloved famos and celebs. Uh, and how much value that they create for you in your daily life. In your daily life. Um, yeah. Anything else on this or should we close the book? We'll, we'll never close the book. The jest yeah. is, is infinite. It, but it continues apace. As of now, yes. Okay, great. Uh, once again, when I put this episode up, I will put up a Twitter poll. Uh, and the choices are, I'm locking, we're locking them in. White noise. Inherent Vice. God, three of these have movies about them. Should we pick something that doesn't? No, have a movie? I mean that's just the nature of if, if a book is good enough, it gets a movie. Yeah, which is another infinite type of jest. Yes, <laughs> and then it gets a TV well, then show. We just switch it to the, instead of Less Than Zero, American Psycho. So we're doing all movie adaptation ones with movie adaptation. Yeah, sure. Why not? Do you? I have don't you know. read American Psycho? Yeah, I sure have. Is it significantly different from the movie? Uh, no, it's 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 pretty similar. It's it's it talking about re- repetitive consumerism. It's mostly lists of uh, uh, brands, brands, and but it could be funny. Want to switch it to that just to so to keep, keep the consistency consistent. of everything. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll put this back at the beginning. <laughs> then, uh, it's going to be white noise, inherent vice, American Psycho, uh, Fight Club, Fight Club. Yeah. Okay. Locked in, and Locked then we in. can talk about the movies as well. Yeah, we at can the, at the end, which sure. is always fun. All podcasts eventually become movie podcasts. All podcasts eventually become movie podcasts. I'm just noticing the way we're sitting on this couch right now is that we can both recline a little bit more versus uh, in on our old couch, we didn't have arms, so we had to kind of be somewhat upright. Yes. This is a dangerous uh, precedent for podcasting. I know that we could both be essentially laying down. I'm at down. like a 45 degree angle. <laughs> <laughs> Slovenly. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> White noise, inherent vice, American psycho, fight club. Yeah. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Uh, no, no write-in campaigns uh, unless you're... Yeah. No, no. And again, these are much shorter. We'll get done with them in less than a year. Yeah. And then we can... And then we can move on to something a little more hefty. Maybe we'll do Broom in the System or Pale King. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, great. Done. Locked in. Bye. Bye. <laughs>